Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. So wonderful to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, and today we introduce something special here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, a new feature that we will be doing from time to time, and with this feature, of course, we also have various items that we'll be introducing to you. This one, very interesting indeed. This is what is known as a Ouija board to the less refined, as we'll find out. It is called a Ouija board. Some call it a spirit board. Some call it a talking board. Yet others refer to this as a witch board, a device used for communicating with the spirits long since departing this corporeal world. So let's pull out the kinetoscope as we introduce a new feature here on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Be kind. Rewind. Witch board. So this is a new feature we're going to be doing on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop from time to time, especially on a week like this where there really wasn't anything new coming out. I came into last weekend and I'm looking to see, oh, what new movies are out? Well, there's no movies at the theaters. There's no movies coming out on streaming. There are no shows that are wrapping up this weekend. So I really came into this week with nothing to talk about, which uh, I, I don't like that. We came up with this idea for Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop to be a weekly podcast, but then there were times where we just had so much to talk about that I changed it to, to twice a week we were going to do this, so I'd like to at least get one show in a week, uh, two if we can, more if possible, if if the world demands it, as far as uh, you know, there being different things to talk about, but this week I really didn't have much to talk about, so that got me thinking about a promise I made at the beginning of the year that we we're going to do more features and, and do more special shows that ne weren't necessarily about newer movies or newer TV shows, uh, but talk about some of the old things that I love. Uh, we've got some, some features in the work, and I thought, well, this would be a perfect week to introduce one of the features I've been looking forward to to putting out there for you called Be Kind Rewind and kind of playing off the old idea of uh, the video store, you know, those movies that you saw back in the day. In many cases, these are going to be movies that I rented on VHS cassette back in the 80s. Not necessarily all the time, but we're going to take a look with this feature, Be Kind Rewind. We're going to take a look back at some movies that I watched, you know, once upon a time and see how they hold up now. And and see, you know, on a rewatch, if I enjoy them as much as I enjoyed them then. And I thought a, a perfect one to do that with is Witchboard. Because I saw this back when it first came out on VHS. And I've seen it a couple times since then. Uh, I watched it with a group of friends once in the 90s. And then I just rewatched it recently. Because it's one of those movies that uh, I, I enjoyed. I loved it back in the 80s when it first came out. For various reasons. Uh, when I rewatched it in the 90s, I was a little disillusioned with things. Because I, I, I played it for a group of friends that I don't think the 
movie lived up to the bill of sales I was creating for this. Uh, my friends seemed a little bored. and But I've always had fond memories of watching Witchboard. Uh, not just the cast, but the story and some of the scares as well. So I thought, I'm going to rewatch this and we're going to talk about it. So uh, I thought this was uh, a good movie to kick off this new Be Kind Rewind uh, segment that we'll be doing from time to time here on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Now, this movie came out in late 1986. Um, it got like a limited run. Uh, and then I think later in 87, uh, you know, later in that first uh, quarter of 1987, that's kind of when it got a bigger release. And then, of course, was released on uh, VHS uh, later that year. But it was written and directed by Kevin Tenney, who at the time, I think he was a film school student. And this was his first screenplay, first movie that he's written based on one of his screenplays. I mean, he's gone on to do other things. He wrote in the directed Witchboard 2, he wrote Witchboard 3, he wrote, or at least directed, A Night of the Demon. He's gone on to do some things, but really in recent years, uh, it's been over a decade, I think, since he's done anything. And it's a shame because, you know, just given what he did with that first Witchboard movie, I think there was really a lot of expectation that he might be one of the up-and-coming horror directors out there. Uh, and, it's, and it's also funny because he wrote Witchboard not really being a fan of the horror genre. <laughs> and and it's, it's interesting because he, he wrote a horror movie that was... For the most part, at least back in 19, you know, I probably watched this when it came out on VHS, probably sometime in the late 87. It, it was quite scary at that time. I think now we look through things, and especially as horror fans, we're so desensitized by big budget uh, special effects and CG and, and special effect makeup and, and work like that, that we don't appreciate the simpler techniques that are used by some of the older movies. But I think Witchboard really had a lot going for it beyond the scares and beyond the, the special effects. And we'll kind of talk about that as we reminisce on this movie. So just a brief synopsis of the plot. You have a, a couple, they've been together for a couple of years, Jim and Linda, uh, played by Todd Allen and Tawny Katane. They're having a party. Linda's uh, former boyfriend and Jim's former best friend is invited to this party and he introduces them to the witch board, this Ouija board. As he will say, it's not pronounced Ouija. Uh, that's for the bourgeoisie. It uh, sophisticated circles call it a Ouija board. And I just, I love that. It really establishes him as like some snooty upper crust uh, snob that thinks he's better than everyone else. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But he introduces this Ouija board. Linda becomes addicted to it because uh, she talks to a spirit that tells her that she's going to be pregnant and tells her all the things she wants to hear gets her addicted to it, and then starts changing her. Then, of course, Jim and Brandon, the former friend and the former boyfriend of Linda, they've got to work together to try and save Linda from, from this spirit that is causing her trouble. Now, one of the things I found really interesting is how quickly and how well that they set up the relationships and the rules of the witchboard with this big party that uh, that Jim and Linda are having and and Brandon's there and you establish the characters really quick like i said the Brandon character played by Stephen Nichols is 
right off the bat, he's the snooty upper crust guy that thinks he's better than everyone else, definitely thinks he's better than Jim. And and you get the conflict between Jim and Brandon. Uh, you get Jim and Linda's characters and their relationship established. Jim's kind of a rough around the edges, blue collar guy that kind of can come across a little douchey, but it's, I think, more of just a lack of self-esteem. He feels like he's lesser than a guy like Brandon, so he's got to make up for it by egging him on and saying dickish things. But you get the relationship between Jim Jim and Linda right away, and that they do love each other. She loves him, and he loves her, and you know he's just... You know, feeling kind of threatened having this ex-boyfriend of hers, uh, who happens to be his ex-best friend, uh, showing up at this party and, you know, making him look bad. So that's one of the things I really liked about this movie on, on a rewatch is just how well the characters are written. And, and the dialogue may at times come across as a little cheesy 80s, but at its essence, the, the characters, I think, are written really well. Uh, the relationships are written really well, and I think that was something that uh, Kevin Tenney uh, did a really good job with. And I like the actors that they had playing these characters. I thought Todd Allen did a really good job as Jim. Uh, he kind of played that blue-collar guy really well he's you know he's gone on to do uh, several things he's been in uh, various movies small roles in tv shows i mean the guy's been around in probably every show that was on in the 80s he had a like a guest appearance role tawny katane she had already done bachelor party with tom hanks but uh, this really was kind of one of her first big uh, quasi-starring roles. I mean, she wasn't the star. I think Todd Allen had top billing in this, but she was, you know, very much a focal point in this movie. And and I think probably one of her first big roles at the time this movie was made, she wasn't even she wasn't even the girl from the White Snake videos. Now, by the time I saw the movie when it came out on VHS, probably later in '87, that's when White Snake's uh, "Here I Go Again" is this love. All those still in the night. All those videos were coming out, and Tawny Katane was featured on those. So by the time I saw this, I knew who Tawny Katane was just from seeing her sprawled out in a thong and a sheer white dress on uh, David Coverdale's car. And she was not dating David Coverdale at the time they made Witchboard. She was actually dating O.J. Simpson. He was like newly married to Nicole Brown, God rest her soul. And already he was fucking around on her uh, with Tawny Katane. And he would show up on the set and have to, you know, give fake names because trying to keep this affair on the DL. But but Tawny Katane, I can't say that she's well-respected for her acting because, you know, people are quick to see her as just that chick from the White Snake videos. And that's pretty much it. A beautiful face that shows her boobs. And I think that's unfair because uh, while I haven't seen a ton of her work, uh, you know, Bachelor Party saw that and, and, and Witchboard in and of itself, I think Witchboard really showed that that she did a she did a really good job acting. She played this sweet girlfriend who didn't swear much. When the progressive entrapment kind of starts with the Linda character, uh, you know, you see her make that transition where she's swearing more and she's getting angry and, and you know, she's she's bothered by sleepless nights and things like that. And then when she makes the transition to when she is 
possessed by Malfader. Uh, you know, she does a really good job with all that. It's all very believable and it never comes across as cheesy or hokey. I mean, granted, is she Meryl Streep? No, but I think she did a really good job with the role of Linda and, and playing the different uh, levels of what Linda is going through. Then, of course, you have Stephen Nichols, who plays the Brandon character, the former best friend of Jim. And uh, Stephen Nichols, at the time, I don't know if when he made Witchboard, he was in Days of Our Lives. But but I know when Witchboard finally came out, uh, he had landed the role of, in Days of Our Lives as Patch. Uh, I happen to know this because when I was a kid and I'd stay home from school, my mom would watch Days of Our Lives. And, and I saw him and he was cool. You know, he was kind of the, wore the leather jacket, kind of a rock and roll type gruff guy. It wore a fucking eye patch. How cool is that? You know, when you're a kid, if you're wearing an eye patch, uh, you seem pretty badass to me. And so I really liked him. And then seeing him show up in this movie when I finally saw that uh, was kind of cool as well. And I think Stephen Nichols, probably out of all the actors, probably one of the best actors in this because I think he really does a great job with his character, which kind of does a, uh, has a bit of a character arc where at first he is this standoffish and kind of dickish, uh, snooty upper crust guy. And he's always putting Jim down, but then you really see that he does care for Linda. And then when you see the relationship between Jim and Brandon, as they have to work together and you see that ice kindly kind of finally melt between the two of them and, you see that relationship, that friendship kind of building its way back. Uh, it's very good. And I, I attribute a lot of that to the acting of Stephen Nichols, because I think he does a fantastic job with this role in making you hate him to begin with, and then making you realize, oh, he's not such a bad guy. And there again, that I think can be attributed to the writing of Kevin Tenney, because he writes characters that have reasons for why they're doing and why they're acting the way they're acting. Uh, it's not just Brandon is a dickhead. He's a rich guy and he's just, he's a dickhead because he's rich. Uh, it's because he and Jim were formerly best friends and he felt like Jim stole Linda away from him. And he just, you know, he, he doesn't want to be an asshole, but whenever he gets around Jim, you know, he kind of those those old feelings for, for Linda show up and he's jealous and he just can't help but saying dickhead things. And and there are a lot of really good scenes, uh, especially when they go to Big Bear, where the two of them kind of talk about Linda and and you really feel like they're they're hashing out their differences and you you feel that relationship kind of build back up again, which gives this movie a lot more heart than you would expect because yeah there's the possession stuff yeah there's the the Ouija board stuff but really probably one of the most interesting aspects of the story is this friendship that was torn asunder because they let a woman come in between them and then that woman uh, because of the situation she's in, kind of pulls them back together and rebuilds that friendship. And I think that is really what makes this this movie actually really good in the long run, is the the relationship between Jim and, and Brandon and the actors, Todd Allen and Stephen Nichols, who who play these two characters, I think did a did a good job with making you care about the friendship that that wasn't there and started to to show up again at the end. 
And I think they did a good job. Uh, Kevin Tenney did a really good job of slowly revealing that. At, at first, you see their relationship, and it's just Brandon's a dickhead. He's a rich guy. Uh, he's Linda's ex-boyfriend, and he doesn't like Jim because they're dating now. Uh, Linda and Jim. Uh, and then you realize that they were former friends and uh, they grew up together. And Linda, you know, that relationship kind of tore them apart. And you slowly, incrementally get more reasons why this relationship was torn asunder. And which which makes it all the more heartfelt when it starts to come back together. And, and that's probably one of the things I enjoyed most about this movie. Another thing I really loved about this movie was all the stuff with the Ouija board. And I like how this movie was originally supposed to be called Ouija, but I believe Parker Brothers has the rights to the name Ouija and a Ouija board because they actually put out a Ouija board. My best friend had one of those Parker Brothers Ouija boards when we were growing up. And uh, I remember us after watching this, uh, use, trying to use it in his bedroom one night uh, when I was spending the weekend there. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things. No, you're moving it. No, you're moving it. And, of course, we were both moving it. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, the, the original title of the movie was supposed to be Ouija. And because they didn't want to get sued and they had to refilm some stuff. Because I think I, at one point, did use one of the Parker Brothers Ouija boards in the movie. I think it might have been in that scene where Brandon and Jim are in Big Bear. Uh, that's why they used a completely different looking board, like a green looking board. But they went with which board, which is actually originally was going to be the term in the movie. When, when Brandon is at Jim and Linda's party and he's talking about a Ouija board and the different names, he does mention which board. But that scene, or at least that part of the scene, ended up on the cutting room floor. So while originally the term witchboard was in the movie, uh, due to editing and due to that being cut, uh, the actual term witchboard is never actually uttered in the movie. But I think that it did a lot of really cool stuff with the witchboard scenes. That, that original scene with Brandon and Linda at the party talking to what they think is David and they find out it's not David and the, the board flips off their knees and Brandon's tire pops was a, a really creepy scene. That scene at Big Bear with Brandon and Jim and they're they're talking to David on that that Ouija board they have. And that was probably one of the creepiest scenes when I originally saw this back in 87 was that scene where they're talking to David and they're finding out that it's not David that Linda's been talking to this whole time. It's been somebody else. And when when they're asking, did you kill this person? Did you kill that person? Were you talking to us at the seance? And the answers are, are no, no, no. And when they keep asking where this Malfator is and he spells out her and and they set up earlier that you know they they sometimes misspell things and then when when david respells it it's h-e-r-e and here i remember in 87 when i watched this that was the creepiest scene that reveal was so creepy on rewatch it wasn't as creepy but it's still maybe it's because i knew it was coming but it was still still kind of puts you know so the hairs on the back of your neck on end 
Another one of the creepiest scenes was probably one of the scarier scenes is when Linda has the Malfader dream where she's walking around and she turns around and there's Malfader with a with an axe and he cuts her head off. And while the special effects aren't that great for that, I mean, by today's standard where they do something CG or they'd have some prosthetic head and robotics and what have you, uh, it's still pretty effective as a scare because the actor that plays Malfader. J.P. Lubson plays Carlos Malfader and he he just has this look. I don't think he has any really any real lines in this, but he was actually he's a photographer and he was signing on to this movie. Thought he was going to be the the first AD or the second AD. I think it might have been a second AD position, but they love the look of him so much that they cast him in this Malfader role and he just has this very severe look like that Remember that uh, beer commercial with the most interesting man in the world? You take him and you make him evil. That's what uh, J.P. Lubson looks like as as Carlos Malfader. They did like a forehead prosthetic to make him look even more sinister. But but he looks creepy and looks scary. And while the the special effect of him chopping uh, Tawny Katane or, or Linda's head off isn't that great because they just had like a stunt woman with her head tucked down and they had like a, a styrofoam head on a pole with a Tawny Katane wig on it. And you see the, the shot from behind her and he swings that axe and lops it off. It's not a great special effect. It's a very simple special effect, but just the look of J.P. Lubson as... As Malfador just makes that scene so scary. And it's actually quite funny because uh, once the head comes off, you see the the stunt person's hands come up and kind of do jazz hands or something. Uh, really kind of cheesy, but uh, I, I like listening to the interviews of, of J.P. Lubson where he's talking about how, you know, he's got the stunt woman with her head tucked down and he has to swing this axe at the styrofoam head. And Kevin Tenney's just telling him, harder swing it faster swing it harder and he's like i I don't want to i don't want to hurt this stunt person and and speaking of stunts probably one of the the best kills i think in this uh was probably one of the best stunts i thought as far as an all-around scene of course you have the uh, character zarabeth played by kathleen wilhoyt who uh, you've probably seen her in tons of stuff because this was like one of the first one of our first few movies and then she went on to do parts in various films and TV shows through the 80s and 90s uh, into the 2000s. I mean, Jesus, she's still doing stuff today. I think she uh, most recently last year had a part on CSI Vegas. Not that I watched that, but uh, she's been in that show of Yellowstone. So she's still out there acting. And I wouldn't have guessed it by this character because I was not a big fan of the Zarabeth character. As a character, she just seemed a little over the top. She felt kind of like a cross between Spicoli meets Cindy Lauper meets Janine from Ghostbusters and was kind of like the stereotypical what a punk was thought to be in the 80s the character felt more like a caricature all she needed was a a colored mohawk instead she had this colored uh cindy lopper style hairdo but but the character was just kind of over the top and very uh 
very radical dude sounded like uh, one of the ninja turtles that would have come along later in the decade and while i didn't really care for the character i thought the actress did a really good job with the character i thought she played the character quite well as i'm sure it was written but uh but this character got one of the best deaths when she has that uh, seance which was actually one of the creepier scenes as well uh, when she's kind of channeling the voice of who you think is David we find out later it's Malfador that's creepy but then when she goes back to her apartment and she's being chased by the spirit of Malfador and is slashed across the neck with the hatchet which I I, I was never really 100% sure about the hatchet thing uh, what is that are, are she seeing the hatchet just floating in the air is she seeing a manifestation a spiritual manifestation holding the hatchet i wasn't quite sure how that works because you never really see what's going on it's usually a pov shot from the the spirit or uh, a shot from a reaction shot of the person and of course she gets slashed on the throat with the hatchet and then thrown out the window and she's impaled on this sundial that's sticking out of her back and one of the coolest kills i really like that uh that and the brandon kill i thought was really good getting the hatchet in the head uh, it wasn't overly gory but there was just enough gore there that uh, really sated the appetite of you wanted to see some blood in this movie and I think one of the other really scary scenes that you get with this movie is the the scene at the end where Jim, you know, he's he's left Big Bear, he's come back, he's trying to to rescue Linda, and she is fully possessed by Malfader, and she's kind of dressed up in the the suit jacket, and she's got the little fedora on, kind of looking like what Malfador looked like, and she's attacking Jim. Although you know the she's she's swinging this axe at him, but like it almost looks like purposely trying to miss him, and I understand that you don't want to hit your lead actor with an axe but uh, but some of the the axe swings were like well that was obviously not trying to hit but but at any rate that that whole scene was good the fight between linda and and jim was was good in that it, it felt real you know it felt like jim didn't want to hurt her but you know he's he's fighting off this spirit uh, so i really enjoyed that that scene it had some creepiness where you have Linda, and again, it goes to Tawny Katane's acting job in this, uh, does a really convincing vocalization of herself being possessed by Malfador. It really, and in the facial expressions, you really feel like this isn't Linda anymore. And then you get the big reveal that Linda isn't the portal that Jim is the portal that I, I didn't I, I don't know if I that it still sits well with me uh, I, I get it that that Jim was opened up more and more to the spirit world as the as the thing went along but it, it never really played out well as I you know you couldn't tell if Malfador is just trying to telling Jim this to get him to commit suicide or if it's legit it just seemed a little too ambiguous for the big reveal that it's supposed to be and then you have Jim contemplating killing himself if he is the portal to close the portal saves Linda and he, he's gonna kill himself but then he doesn't and then he ends up shooting the witchboard in in the only real bit of CG. I mean, it wasn't CG like we know it today, but they did use some some special visual effects to have the the witchboard, the the Ouija board, flying in air, and he's shooting it. And and then yeah, to defeat the ghost, you just shoot the the spirit board, 
And uh, that, to me, I didn't care for that. The scene of him falling out the window, very Hitchcock-esque that scene where where he's falling out the window he's kind of supported on a crane it's in slow motion he's slowly falling down you don't really see the impact of him hitting the car but you you see the aftermath of that where you think well maybe he did die but no he didn't he's just got a net brace as they're getting married i i, I didn't care for that either uh, i did like the shot of of him falling it, like i said it felt very much like a hitchcock film and i know uh kevin tenney very inspired by things like hitchcock very inspired by the exorcist with this movie i i don't know for certain but uh, you have to wonder if uh linda being named linda is an homage to linda blair playing the reagan character uh the one who was possessed in the exorcist I almost think it would have been a more complicated ending, a more bittersweet ending if if Jim had to to kill himself to save Linda. That's a very tragic ending. I know it's probably a little more tragic than moviegoers today would want to see, although I think we're a little more open to that than we were back in 1986, 1987. But that, to me, would have been a more interesting ending. And I would have liked an ending better than just... Uh, you shoot the Ouija board and the ghost no longer has, uh, the ghost has no power here. And then that, that creepy jump scare ending with the witch board where the landlady, Miss Moses, played by the incomparable Rosemary, of course, uh, what, she's in the Mary Tyler Moore show or the Dick Van Dyke show, one of those shows. She's with her granddaughter. They're cleaning up the place. And one of them asks if the witch board will still work. No, not with all those holes. And then all of a sudden the planchette by itself moves to yes. And you get that little bit of a jump scare ending. I kind of like that. Now, that's one of the things I I liked and didn't like about this movie. There were a lot of jump scares in this movie. There were some cheap jump scares where... (laughs) And it's not even just the the camera pans around and there's Jim standing there. It is Jim sneaking up behind Linda and her turning around and seeing him. You know he's there, but she sees him and then she jumps. And that kind of makes you jump as well. Uh, I, I counted four. There may have been five. But I remember four of them there. Those kind of jump scares, they're funny, but I don't know. I I could kind of do without those. Then there are some jump scares with the the planchette on the the witch board moving by itself. Uh, There are some other jump scares with with hatchets flying and knives flying. Uh, The one knife scene where Linda's in the kitchen, the knife flings to the floor and then the bottle of ketchup pours on it. Uh, that that was kind of creepy. And actually something that Kevin Tenney, when he's doing the research about this, that is actually based off an account from somebody that had problems with a, a Ouija board. In the story that he recounts, uh, the ketchup bottle falls, ketchup forms a, a silhouette of a, a, a body, and the knife falls in it, and essentially stabbing it in the chest. Uh, he did that backwards where the white knife hits the floor first, and the ketchup bottle runs down that and kind of makes what looks like blood. And a lot of the things that happen in this movie, in, in regards to the, the Ouija board, are based off of either Kevin Tenney's experience or experience of people he knows who have had experiences with Ouija boards. The tires blowing out on Brandon's car, the thing with the knife, stuff like that. Which I, I think, it, it, you know, while this is um, a horror movie, it's not real. The fact that you know that some of these things that you just saw are allegedly happened to real people, that, that kind of adds a, a bit of uh, mystique to it and a bit of creepiness to it. 
And I don't know if he intended it, but Kevin Tenney, it felt like there were several lines ripped off from Star Wars in this. Uh, I can't count how many times I, you know, you had the I love you, I know scene. Uh, Linda would say I love you. Jim would say I know. And, and I know that is to kind of instill the fact that you don't even know if Jim really loves her. And that is another point of contention between Jim and Brandon. It's more complicated than that. But the fact that they essentially use the exact lines from Star Wars. And they also use, I believe Jim says it, maybe Jim or Brandon, one of the two. Uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. I was like, Jesus Christ, is, is Han Solo going to show up next? I was hoping I could have played a game, uh, pick the Star Wars lines. It would have been, I think it would have been funny if Kevin Tenney just used various random Star Wars lines throughout this movie. And you could make a drinking game out of it. You can't do that because they only do it a couple times. Uh, but you can't make a drinking game out of the uh, cheap gym jump scares that they do. So ultimately, I, I really like this movie in hindsight. You know, when I watched it originally in 87 uh, on VHS tape, it scared the shit out of me as a kid. I was very frightened when my best friend and I were using the Ouija board in his bedroom one night. We had the lights out and just had like a candle or a flashlight or something. And we had to stop because we both were scared shitless because... We were afraid of what was going to happen because we watched this movie. I played this movie for a group of my friends in the probably the mid 90s when I was in college. And I was telling them about how scary this movie is. And then we watched it and nobody thought it was scary at all. And even I was like, oh, this isn't as scary as I remember it being. And it was kind of a letdown. For a long time, I was like, yeah, which board, which board's good, but it's not as good as I, I used to think it was. And then I watched it again here recently, just, uh, just the last weekend. And it's held up as far as the creepiness. And while the scares aren't as good as they could have been, uh, I think I appreciate now more of the things. I don't remember the the friendship between Jim and Brandon as much as I did when I was a kid. I was more focused on the witchboard and Tawny Katane, seeing her naked. I mean, what the hell? A 12-year-old me, that's, that's the kind of shit I was into. Supernatural stuff and boobs. But now watching it as an adult, and I see that relationship between Jim and Brandon and how it was, was torn apart and brought back together, that to me is an interesting aspect of this that I didn't appreciate as much back then when it first came out. And and there are still some legit scares. There are some really legit creepy moments. Uh, Kevin Tenney did a really good job of building attention, especially in some of those scenes with the, with the witch board, which really was kind of a character unto itself. And there's some, things you may not notice about that witch board. If you look closely, uh, when they're using it, and everything's nice and fine and Linda's talking to who she thinks is David and uh, learning that uh, she she knows where her ring she lost is and David's telling her that you know she's pregnant and all of the characters on the on the Ouija board uh, the sun and moon have happy faces there's a little cherub uh, like angel and, and things on there but then when things start getting sinister and uh, the spirit talking to Linda is more malevolent. You see the angry faces on the sun and the moon. And you see the little cherub's angel wings replaced with almost like 
demonic bat wings and it's really creepy when you when you first realize that it it kind of scares the shit out of you and it's little touches like that that just give this movie uh, a creep factor and an uneasiness about it like i said uh kevin tenney did a really good job with building tension with those witchboard scenes and i thought the cinematography was really good like i said there were some shots that were very much uh, reminiscent of hitchcock uh there were other shots that it felt uh, much like the exorcist and the shots they did uh, kind of like from the spirit vision where the camera's on a crane kind of floating through space and it spins around and looks at the witchboard and then goes into uh Linda's bedroom and it's shots like that uh, the shot with uh Zerabeth when the spirit is chasing her and that the camera's kind of floating through space were, were some really cool shots they did a lot of good crane work in this movie kind of lending itself to the Hitchcock influence and the cinematographer on this Roy H. Wagner he went straight from this to being the cinematographer on probably one of my favorite horror films of all times, especially my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street, other than the original Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. He was the cinematographer on that. He's done a lot of non-horror stuff as well, but as far as horror goes, you know, Witchboard, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, those are those are some you know top-notch horror films as far as I'm concerned. And you get a lot of great shots. The graveyard scene with Brandon and Jim, I think, is really creepy and atmospheric and eerie. And, and that's all a lot to do with Roy Wagner's cinematography. And the house is really interesting in this. This old Victorian mansion that they turned into an apartment complex. It mirrors the fact that when uh, Kevin Tenney wrote this, I believe, he was actually living in an apartment that was created in this old victorian mansion and that house has actually been in quite a few movies in waxworks in 88 uh that movie willard in 71 also elvira mistress of the dark it was featured in that so that that house you know has some hollywood horror bona fides uh itself and and it really you you got that i think that's probably one of the things that made the atmosphere so creepy is just this old victorian house and, and when they make the connection between them living there as an apartment building and the fact that that was Mar malfader's home you know once upon a time when he was still with the living uh was a creepy little reveal so witchboard to me looking at it from the lens of how i originally saw it back in the 80s and seeing it now uh, it's it's like watching two different movies for me. I enjoyed it as a kid because of the horror and the supernatural and the creepiness and the scares. Uh, while I don't find the scares as scary as I did back then, I still find the movie creepy and I like it for other reasons. Like I said, the, the characters and the relationships of those characters I think mean a little more to me now as an adult. And I think just add another dimension to this movie. You still get the creepiness. You still get the atmosphere. You still get the tension, which for a, a first-time director... Uh, and screenplay writer of Kevin Tenney uh, for him to to be able to do that you know like I said he seemed like he was going to be an up-and-coming bigwig in the world of horror and it's a shame we haven't seen anything from him in in a long time now but for him to to pull off what he did with a million dollar budget that made you know what seven eight times over at the box office I think is a great feat for a first time you know screenplay writer and director and he really pulled off 
some some good scares for the budget and like i said build a lot of atmosphere a lot of things to be uh, creep you out and and that still works today maybe some of the special effects aren't as special <laughs> as they seemed back in 1986 87 but even by today's standards uh it's still not bad I'd, I'd much rather see okay practical effects than shitty cg any day the movie may not hold up as far as i mean this very much feels and looks like an 80s movie uh from the dress and the way people talked and stuff like that but hell that's that's my era that's when i was growing up and i don't see a damn thing wrong with that so i can look past that but the cast was really good with standouts like Stephen Nichols and Tawny Katane. Really solid efforts from Todd Allen and Kathleen Mulhoyt, a creepy bad guy like J.P. Lubson. And a really interesting story that I think the story holds up uh, as well as anything today. Uh, would I like to see a remake of this? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think an updated version of it, if they still went with practical effects and not just like a bunch of shitty CG, uh, I think it'd be interesting to see this movie done in a more modern way, but but I don't need that. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with Witchboard being what it is, and now that I've watched it again and have rekindled an affection for the movie, it's probably something I'm going to try watching you know, once every couple years and uh, just to enjoy this refound uh, adoration for for a movie that I loved as a kid uh, in my 20s, was kind of ambivalent about, and now I've watched it pushing 50. Uh, I, I really enjoyed Witchboard, and uh, I know it's got a cult following, so I know there's a lot of you out there that uh, love this movie too, and if you don't, give it another watch. You might find that you uh, enjoyed it a little more now than you did uh, back when you originally watched it. So there you have it. That is a Be Kind Rewind look at Witchboard here on Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're always posting trailers to TV shows and movies. Uh, we're always posting articles I find all over the internet. I like to add my two cents. Uh, we're going to have a new episode coming up on Monday. The new Dungeons and Dragons movie is coming out. So we're going to be talking about that as well as some other things. Uh, I believe the Bad Batch is wrapping up their second season on Disney Plus. So we'll probably be talking about that as well as other things uh, on next week's episodes. So we'll find out more about that on our Facebook page as well as checking us out on Instagram. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please uh, follow it, subscribe to it, like it, whatever you got to do. Share it with your friends and neighbors and loved ones, family members, grandma. You know she's an old horror fan from back in the day. Share it with anyone that you know loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Help us get the word out and build our numbers up and uh, so we can keep doing this. And no matter what you do, please leave a review. Five stars will be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!